Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, welcome to Fellowship of Champions Church International E-Church. Give you all just a minute to start coming in. We had a little technical difficulties this morning, so those of you who used to join us via Instagram, um, if you start watching us here first, this is where you'll have to be today. We'll get that figured out for next week. Let me go ahead and go to my other settings so I can share this. Make sure that it's in. You know what to do as you come in the room. Say hello. Welcome those who are here. Good morning, David. Good morning, Nigel. Nigel, we heard you singing this morning. That worship was good, wasn't it? Good morning, Dexter. Uh, let me go here. So I can share this to my other page. There we go. Morning, Becky. Good morning, Erica. Good morning, Angie. You know, go ahead and let us know where you are watching from this morning. Good morning, Kristen. You did such a wonderful job this morning with worship. It was so good. I, I said in the comment section that I absolutely just missed that in person. This is 17 weeks straight that we have not seen each other. <laughs> but you know, after reading the news this morning, I, I understand why we're doing what we're doing. So uh, we're going to keep pushing through and, and, and being connected uh, virtually. Good morning, Chandra. Good morning, Mama. Good morning, Vest. Hope you made it safely to your destination. Listen, no soul rolls, man. You know, I don't even like greens, but them soul rolls were pretty good. I have to admit, if you haven't had Vest's soul rolls, you want to contact him and get some of those. Those were delicious. Good morning, Katina. Good morning, Vita. Good morning to all of you that are here this morning. Uh, we're going to get right into the Word of God here in just a moment. Give about another minute for people to come in. You know what to do. Go ahead and tag people. Uh, give some hearts if you love the Lord. Good morning, St. Teresa. Um, you know, I won't be before you a long time this morning, uh, but I do want to encourage you to stay encouraged. Good morning, Melissa, Latasha. I want you to be encouraged because... You know, there's so many reports out there about how things are going to get worse before they get better. But I want to tell you that the same God that we served in January and February is the same God we're going to serve in July, August, uh, September and October through the end of the year. You know, God is faithful. Morning, Marlo. Uh, God is faithful to to keep his children uh, as long as his children are faithful to stay with their father. And so this morning, I want to encourage you not to be discouraged. I want to encourage you to continue to get in the word. I want to encourage you to be a person um, of integrity, a person of your word, uh, a person who is um, dutiful in the things of the Lord, doing the things you know to do. Uh, because I'm telling you, there's going to come opportunities and there's going to come times for people to go back on the word. But the word is going to be the thing that's going to anchor us. Uh, the Bible says that we are to use the word of God as an anchor for our souls. Uh, and I'm telling you, our souls are going to need to be anchored uh, in the coming months. I was reading this morning and I saw that Arkansas for the first time uh, over the weekend reached a single day uh, positive test 
a case total of over a thousand people. Uh, Louisiana was over 2,000 and Texas was over 10,000. Uh, and those of you who've been keeping up with it, you know that those are not even July 4th numbers yet. And so those numbers are going to go up before they go down. But you know what? God's a keeper. God is a keeper. Uh, and that doesn't mean that we just run around and do what we want to and say God's a keeper, but we follow godly instruction and we abide by wisdom. So I'm going to encourage you before I get into my message this morning, if you're going out and about, if you're going, even if you're going on vacation, you're going somewhere, practice the CDC recommendations. Do not let your guard down. Do not slip. Um, a little prevention is worth a pound of cure. Amen. And so just be careful out there. Be safe. We love you. Pastor Now we miss you. She's going to come here at the end and she's going to share some things that's on her heart, I'm sure. She's going to pray. She's going to give you some announcements. But before she does that, I'm just going to get into the word of God this morning. Uh, so those of you that are here, you know what to do. Go ahead and share it if you hadn't. Put some hearts in the group if you hadn't. Say hello to everybody. Let us know where you are from. And then we're going to get right into uh, this teaching this morning. Again, I apologize for not being able to be on IG this morning. We had some technical difficulties. We'll get that figured out for next week, okay? All right, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We ask that you would give us the anointing to receive the word that you have for us today. Uh, give us the wisdom to walk out the word that you have given us on today. And then give us the, the power to influence others to do the same. Father, I ask that you would decrease me as I teach the word this morning uh, so that you could increase. Let everything be said, be said from you and of you. And then let us let us be able to receive the work you want to do in us, through us and for us. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. As you know, this is week 17. We have spent more weeks uh, via uh, Facebook Live and eChurch than we have uh, together in person. It's hard to believe. It's just almost just unimaginable, seems like. Uh, who would have guessed it, right? But what I know is that God is still good. He's still in the healing business. He's still in the, in the blessing business. Chris was singing this morning. She was saying the king is here. And I was thinking that she was singing that he is here. He's always been here. Uh, and, and whether we acknowledge him in a building or we acknowledge him at home, the king is here. And so because the king is here, we can be joyous. We can be excited. Uh, we can have a positive outlook. And on today, that's what we want to do. We want to focus on King Jesus and we want to focus on the fact uh, that our God is still a great God. He's still a great God. You know, he told us in November, he gave some words to us in November, December, that year, that the year of 2020 was going to be a year of great harvest for us. Uh, and because he gave us that word, we received it and we believed it. Uh, and even though there have been some things that happened that we weren't counting on, uh, all of us can probably say, hey, I wasn't expecting in January to experience this in July. Uh, but God is still a great God. He is still in the blessing business. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to continue uh, along with our series about how God wants to promote us. God wants to get us in a position to be promoted, to be increased, not just in finances, but in finances. But he wants to increase us and promote us in so many different areas of our lives. 
You know, I was thinking about when God said it was harvest time. Pastor Shannon and I did our marriage essentials class on Friday, and there was 45 couples who joined us this last Friday. Uh, and the number of people who, uh, and several new people, but the number of people who are saying, hey, you know what? We want to sow and invest in our marriage. And I'm telling you, whenever you sow and invest in anything, uh, you can expect a harvest. Amen. So those of you that have been sowing into yourselves by fasting, those of you who have been sowing into yourselves by praying, those of you who've been sown into yourselves by studying God's word, those of you who have been uh, sown into yourself by listening to Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, it is harvest time for you. Those things you did were not for naught. Uh, those things that you did in obeying God, all those times you pushed down your flesh to obey God, all those times that you have been practicing humility, when you've been uh, coming in on Tuesday nights for prayer, you've been coming in on Wednesday nights for Bible study, You've been joining us on Sundays uh, for praise and worship, and you've been joining us on Sundays for the word. And any other, any other thing you've been doing to build yourself up, you can expect a harvest from it. Amen? So go ahead in the comment section and just type this. Say, it is harvest time. It is harvest time time. Praise God. So what I want to do, while you, because you're a few seconds behind me probably, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull up uh, and I want to recap just real quick a couple of the things that we talked about on last week. Uh, and then I want to get into the rest of the message for today. And I don't know if I'll finish. If I do, then Pastor Sean's going to come back next week uh, and, and teach. And if I get just far enough that I feel that's good enough, then she'll come back and teach next week. Uh, and if not, then, I, then, I'll, then I'll finish it up. But I don't want to rush it. But I also don't want to belabor the point. I want you to, to hear it, understand it, receive it, and your life be changed by it. Amen. So this morning, I want to begin. Uh, we were talking about becoming a cheerful giver last week. Uh, we said it was harvest time. And one of the ways that we receive harvest is by becoming a cheerful giver. And we talked about some, some different things. And I'll recap some of those this morning. But I want to begin uh, in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 31 through 34. I'm going to read out the King James Version. And then I want to read verse 35 out of the Passion Translation. A lot of times when I'm studying, I'm reading out of multiple translations because it just gives me a, a different illumination to what the Word is saying. Uh, and, and, I, and I feel like these two scriptures really solidify um, what I feel as a pastor uh, and, and what I want to impart to you as partners of FOC. So in Acts chapter 20, Verse 31 through 34 in the King James Version, we find the Apostle Paul, uh, he's talking to the elders at the church of Ephesus. He's getting ready to depart from them. He's been with them for uh, about three to four years, and he's been teaching them the word. He's been communicating with them what thus saith the Lord, and he gets ready to depart. And when he does, he begins to speak these words to them. And so Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 31 and 34, it says, therefore, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, therefore, elders, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears flooding from my eyes. He says, and now, brethren, he says, I commend you or, or I, I implore you uh, to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up. Now notice, this is what he says to them as he's departing. He's been teaching them for three years and he says to them, he says, I'm commending to you God and the word of his grace. He says, because God and the, the word, his, his word about grace, 
He says they are able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them uh, which are sanctified. He then says, I have coveted no man's silver, no man's gold, or no man's apparel. So the Apostle Paul is saying, as a pastor, I haven't coveted any of the things that you have had. I didn't ask for your silver. I didn't ask for your gold. I didn't ask for your apparel. He said, all I've done these past three years is to preach the word of God to you because I want God's word and the grace of his word to get in you so much because if it does, I know it will build you up. He says in verse 34, he says, Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessity. In other words, Paul says, listen, you know, and I know that I didn't ask you for a gift. I preached the gospel to you, not because I wanted gold or silver or your raiment. He said, but I used these hands. I was a tent maker and I made tents and sold them to support myself so that I could support myself and still preach the gospel to you. And then in verse 35, he says, I've left you an example of how you should serve and take care of those who are weak. One translation says, or less fortunate than you. In verse 35, it says, for we must always cherish the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us, watch this, giving brings far greater blessings than receiving. You know that scripture that says it's more blessed to give than to receive. But he literally says giving brings a far greater uh, blessing or a far greater empowerment than receiving does. And so this morning, what we want to think about is we don't want to just think about blessings in terms of getting. We want to think about blessings in returns uh, in terms of giving because it is more blessed or more empowering to be the giver than it is to be the receiver. And so there's a couple of things we said about that last week. Last week we read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. And there's some key points here. One of the things it says that we took from this is that it said God takes pleasure in and he prizes above other things and he is unwilling to abandon or to do without, here's that word again, a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. And so we, we, we stayed on that point a lot last week. We talked about how God literally takes pleasure in that one of the things that brings God joy is when you and I participate in the giving process. And it says that God takes pleasure in it, that he prizes above other things, and he is unwilling to abandon the person who is a cheerful, joyous, and prompt to do. That means when God is impressing upon us to be a blessing to someone, whether that's financial, emotional, vocational, whatever it is, when God is asking us to do something, he's looking for someone who's quick to move. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I am quick to move. I am quick to move. When God asks me to do something, I am quick to move. Why? Because when I'm needing something from the Lord, I want him to be quick. And so if I want him to be quick for me, I need to, uh, to, to, to make sure I reciprocate that in being quick to move when Holy Spirit is prompting me to do something. The Bible then goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, in verse 8, it says, and God is able, we talked about this, to make all grace what is grace? Every favor and every earthly blessing come to you. How? 
in abundance. Why? So that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need may arise, you will be self-sufficient. What does it mean to be self-sufficient? Possessing enough to require no aid or support and to be furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. That means literally God has a system that he has set in place that if we will participate in, we can actually give to be a blessing to others and then set ourselves up in a system where when we need to do something or have something done, that not only do we have enough to, to do it, but that we have an abundance left over because the Bible says that he wants us to be self-sufficient and self-sufficient is not just barely having enough. He defines self-sufficient in the amplified version as possessing enough to require no aid or support from anybody else. And not just that, but then having an abundance left over so that you can participate, not just in the thing God called you to do today, but you will have enough if he asks you to do something tomorrow and the next day, in the next day, in the next day, in the next day. In other words, God wants our storehouses to be full. God has a system in place that if we will participate in it, our storehouses will be full. And so last week, one of the things we said is that the Bible talks a remarkable amount about how God wants to empower us financially. But a lot of times we don't spend time studying those scriptures because in some cases, those scriptures have been perverted to take advantage of people. But, but I say to people all the time, it's like if somebody goes to the doctor and the doctor takes advantage of the person, that doesn't mean that going to the doctor is bad. It means that individual doctor was bad. So if someone takes a scripture and misuses a scripture, it doesn't mean that the scripture is bad. It means the person misused the scripture. And so I believe in my heart that God had a system for his children to live above the natural. I believe that God has a system for his children to live a, a supernatural, abundant life. And the way he set that system up was contrary to what the world would think was possible. So he set it up to say, basically, if you want to be rich in the kingdom, you got to learn to be a giver. You can't just be a taker, a taker, a taker, and a taker and expect to have. He says, in the kingdom of God... He says it works differently. And I don't know if you watch Wednesday night's Bible study. If you haven't, I encourage you to go back and watch it. Pastor Ralph is doing this teaching last week uh, about the kingdom and understanding how the kingdom works. See, in the kingdom, the kingdom is a theocracy. It's not a democracy. We don't get to all decide that, you know, it's more blessed to receive than it is to give and then change the rules. No, the, 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 the head of the kingdom already established what's more blessed. And he said it's more blessed or more empowering to give than to receive. And so as a result, we come into the kingdom and we have a choice. We either work along with those principles so that we can be empowered and prosper, or we fight against it only to end up being disappointed when our way doesn't work in the kingdom. And so we said some things last week. And one of the things we said last week is that we had to establish one major truth. And here's the major truth that we are establishing. Something supernatural, y'all could probably finish this, always happens when what? When we give. Something supernatural always happens 
when we give. I want us to have our mindsets changed today. And I know that it's difficult sometimes for people because people, they've had experiences and they show up with these experiences and they see things from uh, the lens of their life. But I am telling you, God is not a taker. Listen, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but you don't really have anything that God couldn't get without you. You understand that? You don't have anything that God couldn't get even without you. So when God asks you to partner with him, he's not asking you to partner with him because he needs a partner. He's really asking you to partner with him because you need a partner. And he says, I love you so much. I am willing to let you bring your little to my lot and then give you even more than what you had when you started. We serve a great God. That's how good God is. And if you know God's been good to you, you ought to give God some, heart this, some hearts this morning. God does not need you to partner with him. You need him to partner with you. He's going to be God regardless. He's going to be God no, God no matter what. And so one of the things that we established last week was that something supernatural always happens when we give. We read Luke 6. Uh, Luke 6 and 38, and we saw that in scripture, and it says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will men give unto your bosom. It says, for the same measure that you use, it will be the same measure that will be used to give it back to you. And we talked about the example of filling up a, 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 a 10 gallon drum. You can fill it up with a spoon or you can fill it up with a bucket. One of them is going to get you to the top faster. One of, you, one of them is going to allow you to fill that thing up faster. So if, if you're looking for major uh, blessings in return, then you ought to have the mindset that you're willing to give majorly. You ought to willing to, if you want someone to give to you, which costs them something, then you ought to give uh, out of yourself, which costs you something. Uh, we see this example when, when, when David uh, got ready to go uh, and offer up an offering. Uh, and the Bible says that when he got ready to go up to an offering, someone came to David and gave David all of this stuff to give. Uh, and, 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 and they said, here, just, just take whatever you want and, and make an offering. And David had a revelation. David said, I cannot offer up to God that which costs me nothing. And, and many people, that's what they want to do. They want to give God something, but they don't want to give God something that cost them something. But David had the revelation, if it don't mean nothing to me, how can it mean something to God? And that's the same thing that God did when he gave us Jesus. He didn't, he didn't give us some angel uh, sitting on the back row or some angel with a broken down wing <laughs> or something. No, he reached into heaven and, and pulled out a, the most valuable thing he could find. And it was his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. That's what he gave us. And that's the example that, that we should be looking at. In Luke 6, 38, in the Passion Translation, it says, Give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you. They'll be given to you shaken down, pressed down, running over to make room for more. It says, Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. It says, Your measurement of generosity becomes a measurement of your return. Go ahead and type this in the comment section. Say, The way I give is the way I receive. Come on, say that. The way I give is the way I receive. What does that mean? That means nobody can determine how I receive except for me. And how can I determine it? Based on how I give. 
Based on how I give is going to be based on how I receive. And glory to God, I get to determine that. I love that God's system is set up so I'm not dependent on somebody else based on how I receive. I receive based on how I participate in the system that God has already set up in the kingdom. Then the other thing we said last week, which was so important, is that when I made in my heart a decision to become a giver, there is both a way and a manner in which I should give. The scripture teaches us that we are to give both generously, but we are also to give with the right motive. I am supposed to give generously, but I'm also supposed to give with the right motive. Listen, I tell people this all the time when I teach about giving. God is not a genie. God is not some uh, entity that you can decide that you don't fool with him uh, for weeks, days, months at a time. And then when you need something, you run to his altar and you throw some money at him. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to somehow rub this spiritual genie bottle. And then God begins to multiply what you've thrown at him. That's not the system. That's not how it works. That's not how he set this up. His system is about generosity and about motive. And you've got to have both of them in the right place in order to receive. You understand? i got to give generously, but i got to give with the right motive. I can't just be giving to get. Now, understand, we know the principles of God, so God's never going to let you be without. Why? Because he says he is unwilling to abandon us when we are a, a quick, prompt-to-do cheerful giver whose heart is in his giving. He just won't do it. And so I can't beat God's giving because he has more to give than I ever would. But at the same time, I cannot be trying to play games with God. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. So if you sow outside of the right motive, you can't expect to receive within the right motive. And so you can't just be trying to give God an amount uh, because you want that particular amount to be multiplied. Go ahead and type this in the comment section. Say giving is a heart issue. Giving is a heart issue. When it comes to giving of your time, your talents, your capital, your finances, whatever it is, it's always about a heart issue. How do I know that? Because the Bible, and Jesus himself said this, he says, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wherever your treasure is. So what God is trying to do whenever he asks us to give up anything, he's trying to allow uh, our treasure to redirect our hearts. You can always look at what you spend your money on, where you spend your time, where you spend your energy. That is where your heart is because wherever your treasure, whatever you value, wherever it is, wherever it is directed, that is where your heart's going to be. And so we have to understand that we must give both generously and with the right motivation. And then the fourth thing we said last week is we said that the world is going to always try to convince us why we shouldn't give. 
The world is always going to find a reason why we can't or why we shouldn't give in some shape, form, or fashion. Not just money, our time, our talents, our efforts. And I'm going to keep saying that because I don't want those who are hearing this to only think I'm talking about money. I'm talking about whenever God asks you for something and you render it, that's a gift. You are giving to God. But the world is going to always try to convince us that we don't have the time, the money, the resources, uh, the ingenuity, the energy. We don't have whatever God's asking us for, our flesh is going to try to tell us that we are void of being able to give it. Understand? And then sometimes we ourselves even find our, ourselves outside of our own comfort zone when God asks us to give something. And that's important because sometimes God will ask you to do something so he can move you outside of your comfort zone. I remember when we were in uh, the hotel in Rogers, one of the confessions uh, that, that Jennifer Smith wrote for us one time, because we had people writing confessions for us, is it was a confession about, Lord, take us outside of our comfort zone. I still quote that confession. I have it in my email. I pull it up in my confession section folder. And when I read it, it says, Lord, take me out of my comfort zone. And some of you need to be saying that to God. You're so comfortable with the life that you're in right now that because you're so comfortable, you won't obey God and do the next thing he's told you to do so he can take you to a next level living. You're just so comfortable where you are, but your prayer ought to be, God, take me out of my comfort zone. You know, we sing that song, Oceans, you know, it says, Lord, take me out into the deep, you know, take me where, where wherever my feet wander, whatever the lyrics is, you know what it says, y'all sing that song, you want to go out into the deep, right? Well, if you want to get out into the deep, that's saying, Lord, take me out of my comfort zone, take me out, take me further than I would go on my own. And so if you want to be a person who, who gets to see the miraculous things of God, then you have to be willing to get outside of your comfort zone. One of the things we said is that the Bible tells us that what happens when we get outside of our comfort zone and we obey God, we open up literally windows and doors into the supernatural realm. We said last week that that's what uh, the Bible talks about in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. I don't have to read it all to you. You know what it says. He says, bring ye the tithe uh, into my storehouse and see if there won't be room for you. He says, see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room to receive it. Now, we know that. A blessing is not just things because we don't see cars and houses and, and, and things falling out of heaven. No, but what we do see is empowerment coming, empowerment up on our lines. And it's not just about the tithe because we talked last week that there are four types of giving. We said that there were four types of giving. We said there was almsgiving. We said that there is the tithe. We said that there is offering. And then we, we, we kind of ended last week talking about grace giving. And grace giving really ought to be, grace giving really ought to be where the believer lives. Why? Because we shouldn't be required to, to just give 10%. If God asks for 30, as, as believers, as people who understand he's unwilling to do without a prompt, quick to do giver, whatever he asks us for, we're willing to give it. Why? Because the fifth thing we said last week was that God owns everything and I own nothing. You all go ahead and type that in the comment section. You can say it like this. Say, God owns everything. I'm just a steward. God owns everything. I'm just his steward. Yes, that's the, I, I, I'm, I am God's treasurer. 
I am God's treasurer over the resources that he has entrusted into my hands. They all belong to him. And because they belong to him, I don't fight him when he wants to direct them to a certain place. Amen. The Bible says when it comes to almsgiving, uh, Proverbs 19 and 17, it says he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. Praise God. Lends to the Lord. And that which he has given, God will repay him. Listen, that's partnership. We talked about that. That's partnership. Uh, in our church, we don't call the people who are with us members. We call them partners. Why? Because partnership denotes that we are both doing something to make sure that the other is taken care of. And God says, I do need you in the earth because there are going to be times I need to direct resources to a certain place and I need some people that I can trust who I can enrich them with resources so that when I direct the resources to a particular place, they ain't fighting me for it. Listen, my God, I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be a distribution center for God. I am glad to be a distribution center for God. My spiritual father used to say it like this. If you are the water hose and, and water has to come out of the water hose, then the water hose has to get wet. Listen, if I am going to be God's distribution center and he's going to use me to, count, to cause resources to flow to all of these different places, I'm open. Why? Because at some point, those same distributions that he has me sending out, he's going to allow me to enjoy, to enjoy some of those same resources. So I love being a distribution center for God. So we talked about alms last week. We talked about the tithe. We know that's the giving of the 10% of all that your earnings. We talked about offering that's going above and beyond. That's a directed kind of giving that you decide you want to honor God with. Again, giving is a heart issue. But then we talked about grace giving. And when we talked about grace giving, we began to talk about uh, this idea of living beyond any requirement. And one of the things we said is that uh, we looked at at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I don't even know if I have it in my notes, uh, but I'm sure whoever our administrators are, they can pull it up for you. But 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. I, I want to look at it just real quick because I want to read uh, a couple things out of it. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. Um, and, and, and when you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we see the Apostle Paul is really uh, giving us some good teaching about what grace giving is. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, moreover, brethren, we do to the wit of the grace of God bestow on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. It says, for to their power, verse three, I bear record, yea, in beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take up on us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Verse five says, and this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Verse seven says this, therefore, as ye abound in everything, watch this, he's talking to them. He says, as you abound, as you get stronger and stronger in everything, he says, in your faith, in your utterance and in knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us. Watch this. He says, see that you abound in this grace also. 
What was the grace? Well, when you see uh, in verse 8, when you read that, uh, and I think a really good translation to read that out of is the New Living Translation or the Passion Translation, maybe even the Voice Translation, it becomes very clear what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. He says, there was a church in Macedonia. They had great trials of affliction. They were poor. They didn't have a lot of money, but they wanted the gospel to be preached. And so they begged me. They begged me to let them give a gift. He said, and they didn't just do it one time. They gave a gift several times. He says, but it wasn't just that they gave their gift, a financial gift. He says, they first gave themselves to the Lord. I am telling you this morning. It doesn't matter how much you give or even with or even how often you give. You got to have the right motive. And the way that you do that is by giving yourself to the Lord. You say, Lord, I own nothing. You own everything. Whatever you want to do with your resources, I am here to partner with you to help it get done in the earth. And then he says to them, he says, just like you have abounded, just like you have grown in your faith, in your utterance, in your knowledge. He says, just like you have grown in your ability to believe for healing, just like you've grown in your, uh, your, your ability to believe in all of the things that I've taught you over the years. He says, now see to it that you continue to abound in this grace. What grace? Grace giving. He says, make sure you continue to abound in being a grace giver, a person who is prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something that causes other people to be blessed. When we talked about this last week, we gave you four things, four things that grace giving uh, is illustrated in this particular passage. We said, number one, that when you give, when, when you participate in grace giving, that it should be done generously. It should be done willfully. It should be done out of love and it should be directed by God. So if you're going to be a person who's a giver, that's the criteria for you being a giver. If you're going to be a giver, that is your criteria. You should be, you should give generously. You should do it willfully. That means nobody should have to make you give. You should do it out of love. That's having the right motive. And then it should be directed by God. Understand when I say directed by God, sometimes God will ask you to give to something or to someone uh, who you may not even have wanted to give to. That is when you that's when you get to be tested to see whether or not you really mean that God owns everything and you're just a steward. Because, see, understand something. If, if, if Sean gives me $100 and she tells me to hold the $100 and then she says, OK, I'm going to go take my $100 and I'm going to go spend all $100 at Starbucks. I don't get to say to her, no, no, no. I'm only giving you 50 to spend at Starbucks. The other 50, we got to wait for something else. I don't get to do that when it's her money. If it's her money, she gets to spend it wherever she wants or wherever she directs. I am just a steward. And see, the problem with a lot of people is you think what you have is yours. You think that because you went to work, you think because you made the investment, you think because you ran the business, you think is yours. Hear me, trust me, and believe me. If God wasn't involved, you wouldn't even have the breath to get up to go to work. You wouldn't have the breath to run that business. You wouldn't have the wisdom to make those investments. You wouldn't have the foresight to know what to do to even get a dollar in your pocket. 
It all comes back to God. He is the reason you have anything that you have and everything that you have. It ain't got nothing to do with you except that you were in him. And so as a believer, whenever he asks for something, we remind our flesh, flesh shut up. This ain't yours. You didn't. You, you, you may have went to work for it, but you got the power to do it from somebody else. Listen, this is the kind of revelation that if you will get, it'll change your attitude about anything God asks you to do. Amen? And so this morning, then, that's our recap. I want to talk this morning just for a few minutes about a call to generous giving. A call to generous giving. How do I become a generous giver? Let me give you some principles. Here are four principles, four principles to being a generous giver. Number one, when you give, give secretly. When you give, give secretly. Listen, that means that when God asks you to do something and you do it, you don't have to broadcast to everybody about what you have done. Amen. You don't have to broadcast to everybody about who you were a blessing to, who you gave food to. You know, that's the reason that when we come on sometimes and we know people have need, we say, hey, there's a partner in the ministry who needs X, Y, and Z. If you have to know who that partner is before you give, we don't want your resources. Why? Because it is not necessary to know who it is in order to be directed to give it. And so if God God didn't, if, if, if God doesn't tell you, then you don't need to know. If the Holy Spirit says to you, hey, I want you to give to the church's benevolence fund. Once you have obeyed, you have done your part. You don't now have to become Inspector Gadget to find out who came and asked for benevolence. That's not how it works. So if you want to be a generous giver, you got to know that principle number one is you have to learn how to give secretly and be okay with that. Number two, we've said it three times already. You got to be a cheerful giver. Listen, giving does something for you. And I'm going to talk to you about it in just a minute. But giving does something for you. The, Jesus didn't just make that up when he said it's more blessed to give than receive. He didn't say that because he was just trying to get something from somebody. There are, there are, there are, there are physiological uh, aspects that happen to your body when you give. And we're going to talk about those. So number one, you got to give secretly. Number two, you got to give cheerfully. Number three, you got to learn to give sacrificially. Again, we said it earlier. You can't give to God that which costs you nothing. You need to learn how to sacrifice. Some of the biggest breakthroughs that happened in my life and in Sean's life is when we gave sacrificially. And I'm when I talk about sacrificially, I ain't talking about uh, looking in the bottom of, of your purse or in the back of your wallet and seeing what you can spare. I'm not telling you to do this because we did it. I'm telling you that you have to be open, that if God asked you to do it, you would do it. But there's been some things in our life where God was trying to get us to. In hindsight's 2020, looking back, I realize now why he did it. But there have been times that Sean and I have saved for something, a vacation, a new TV, a down payment on a new car. And God would come and ask for the very thing that we had saved up. And, 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 and we, we, we learned that what he was doing is he was always wanting to make sure that money didn't have us. He was like, I'm fine with y'all having money, but I got to make sure money doesn't have you. And, and I really believe that he asked us to do it a lot of times more so because of me than Sean, because Sean has never been a person who was in who who, who was in love with money. Uh, you know, and, and, and I tell people all this. I love money. I don't have a wrong relationship with it, though. Now, the Bible, the Bible doesn't, doesn't say that, that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of it. 
I don't love it more than I love Jesus, but I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you that I love money. I love money, just not more than Jesus. And so God always uh, on occasion has had to make sure that I knew where my priorities stood. See, I'm just talking to me. I can't be saying what your issue is. But if you're the kind of person who, who, who doesn't believe that God would ever ask you to give your savings, God would ever ask you to give your vacation money, or God would ever ask you to give your down payment on a car uh, to, to, to a certain thing, it's because you're not even open to what God may do. And the reality of it is that sometimes, see, God always knows our heart about where money is concerned. He already knows our heart where money is concerned. And let's just be honest. Most of us, money is our biggest treasure. When we get beyond our family and, and those kind of things, money is our biggest treasure. Uh, and sometimes money is, is sometimes a bigger treasure if we think about it because we, we do everything we do to get the money to take care of our families and do those kinds of things. And so the reality of it is, is that if I'm going to be a generous giver, I got to learn how to give sacrificially. So we say we got to learn how to give secretly. We got to learn to give cheerfully. We got to learn to give sacrificially. And then number four, we got to learn to give proportionately. What does it mean to give proportionately? It means that I got to understand that if I am believing God for something big, whatever that something big is, then my giving ought to match that. I'm not saying an, an amount. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is your heart. That if you're looking for God to do something major in your life, you want some, you want God to, to bring someone. Here it is. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Let's say you got a business and you really are stuck in taking your business to the next level. And you need God to bring somebody along who has your answer. Okay? Well, then before you start begging God to do that, why don't you sow being someone answers first? Why don't you so find somebody who you can be the answer for, take of your time, take of your resources and be a blessing to them first. So into their life. So then when you're asking God to do that for you, you actually got seed in the ground you can call to your harvest. That is how the kingdom works. That is how the kingdom is set up. Now, we talked about these benefits of giving. We all know that giving helps other people. Amen. Giving helps other people, whether we volunteer for 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 work in organizations, whether we offer emotional support to those around us, whether we donate financially to our local church or other church uh, para organizations uh, that are doing good work. Uh, I know years ago, uh, the Lord had told our ministry uh, to, to 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 get involved with prison ministry. Well, we didn't really have anybody in our church at the time who, who felt called to prison ministry, but we knew the Lord told us to do it. And so we started finding other churches who was doing it and we started sowing into them. We just started sending money. Why? To them. Because there's multiple ways to partner with God. And we said, God, we don't have anybody who's got a heart to do that. We know that you told us to do it. So what do you want us to do? We prayed about it. We got an answer. He said, sowing, fine. And he actually directed us to, to, to a couple particular organizations. And that's who we gave into because they were called a prison ministry. We were called too, but we were called as a resource, not necessarily the people who were going to do that. And so we know that giving helps others, but there are so many studies out there that show that giving is also good for the giver. 
Giving is also good for the giver. And listen, I know that there are people on there and they are, they're, they're looking. I can see some of the some of the hearts out there and I can see some of the mean faces. Understand something. If you don't like this concept or this idea of giving, I get that. But this is what we believe. This is what we teach. This is what we live by. You can't talk me out of this because God's already blessed me in it. So if you're disappointed, if it grieves you, maybe you should spend your time doing something else and following somebody else or listening to somebody else or believing somebody else. Because this is what we teach, baby. Why? Because we believe that something supernatural happens when we give. And we're going to keep saying it. Amen? So here are some benefits that come along with giving. There are several there are several studies that have been done. And one of the things it talks about is that when you give, when you participate in giving, whether it's a Christmas, a birthday, an anniversary, whatever it is, when you give to someone else, the Bible or the research talks about the Bible says it's more blessed to give. But the research says it like this. The research says that there's a thing called endorphins that get released in the brain. And, 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 and what those endorphins do is they produce what's called a helper's high, a helper's high. Uh, if you've ever uh, went out of your way to help someone and, and you felt good when it was over and you was excited about it and, 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 and you were you were you just you just were, you were pumped that you were able to help somebody. You know, it could be that you was going down the street and somebody's car was broken down and you pulled over and you was able to help them and you gave them a jump or you helped them fix a flat. It can be something simple. But the, the, the research tells us that the Bible is true because when we help someone, endorphins get released and reproduce what's called the helper's high. And when you when you have the helpers high consistently flowing through your body, there are six things that researchers uh, have said uh, happens in your life. Now, you may say, well, well, what does this have to do with, with being with, with spirituality? Well, it has to do with the fact that you get to live longer and that you get to live a healthier life. And the Bible says that God came that you might have abundant life and that you may have it to the full until it overflows. So in other words, God's not just concerned about the spiritual aspects of your life. He's also concerned about the natural aspects of your life. So when you are a giver, when you are a person willing to help other people, when you are a person who's willing to go outside of your comfort zone to do good for other people, to do goodwill for other people, to see that other people are blessed and prosperous, uh, to make sure that other people are taken care of, when you are willing to live a selfless life, research says here are some of the things that happen when, when endorphins get released and you see this helpers high. Number one, your blood pressure is lowered. That's a good thing. Number two, you have increased self-esteem. You feel better about yourself when you help other people. You want to know how to increase your self-esteem? Learn to be a giver. Learn to be a person who gives to other people, who helps other people, who goes out of their way to support somebody else. That'll make you feel better about you. And then number three, you will tend to suffer from less depression. Why? Because when you have more and more endorphins released, it's harder to be depressed. Most people who suffer from depression have a lack of endorphins being released in their body. And sometimes that can be chemical. But the way to, the way to overcome that is by participating in processes that, that tells the brain to release endorphins. Number four, you are less stressful when you're helping other people. Why? Because it's hard to be stressed when you feel good. 
It is hard to be stressed when you feel good and when you feel good about yourself and when you're not depressed and your blood pressure is lowered. You feel better and therefore you reduce stress. Number five, you experience greater happiness. Why? Because your blood pressure is lower. You're, you, you feel better about yourself. You have less depression going on in your mind and in your system. And you have less stress. So therefore, by, a byproduct of that is that you feel happier. I challenge every single one of you to do one thing this week. One thing this week each day to help somebody else. And it ain't even got to cost you nothing. Being nice don't cost you nothing. But I challenge you this week to do one thing on purpose, nice for someone else, and see how that starts to affect you. Track it and see. Research is behind this, and the Bible backs it up even before they did the research. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And then the last benefit of this, number six, is that you'll end up living a longer life. Why? Because you're not stressed. You don't have all of these things that we know that stress is a killer. We know that high blood pressure is a killer. We know that depression leads to all types of unfortunate events that people sometimes can take their lives uh, either on purpose or on accident trying to self-medicate. I'm telling you that you can choose to become a person who lives off the helper's high. You want to get high off something? Get high off being a giver. Amen? <laughs> Amen. And for all of you mad faces out there, God bless you. Learn to be a giver. You wouldn't be so angry. Praise the Lord. Here are some additional benefits of giving. Here are some additional benefits of giving. We said this last one. Giving makes us feel happy. Giving is good for your health. Giving helps your social connection. Some of you, you don't feel connected socially. And so because you don't feel connected socially, it's because you don't ever spend time helping anybody else. Learn to be a helper. Learn to be a giver. You know, when you get an opportunity to give $5 uh, to help somebody uh, go to camp, give the $5 if you can give it. You got money to give to the scholarship fund? Shameless plug. If you got money to give to the scholarship fund, give the $10. You will feel better. You won't feel so grumpy. Why? Because giving produces that uh, helper's high. And some of you need to get high off of something other than all the other stuff you're getting high off of. You know, you and, I, and, I, and I, listen, I ain't. I, I don't have no issue if you if you're smoking weed legally. That's that's your business. But I'm telling you, there is no high like helping somebody else. There is no high like doing the thing God has called you to do. You're trying, you're trying alcohol and, and weed and, and pills and all that other stuff, trying to get the high. Just learn to help somebody. Learn to stop being so daggum selfish and go out of your way to sow into someone else's life and then you won't have to spend your money on all that other stuff trying to get the feeling that God already gave you by giving to somebody else. Glory to God. Number four, we said it in folks gratitude. We talk about having an attitude of gratitude. Listen, I was, I was driving the other day on my way to Walmart here in Springdale uh, trying to go up to Elm Springs and I saw uh, a person who was on the side of the road and they were, they were uh, you know, what I call it panhandling. They were asking for money. Um, and, 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 I, and, I, and somebody, two or three cars up in front of me, uh, they stopped. And I saw them, I saw them motion 
the, the, the man over. And as he kind of, you know, he kind of ran over there because he thought he was going to give him something. Uh, the, the light had changed. And, and by the time he got over there, the people just took off. And, and when they turned the corner, you could see them laughing. And I thought to myself, you know what? You reap what you sow. You don't, you don't, being nice don't cost you nothing. If you weren't going to give that person anything, you didn't have to do that. And so even though the light was green, I stopped and I gave him something. And not even because the Lord told me to, but because you know what? I thought to myself, I am so grateful that I am not out there having to ask for money. I know somebody could say, well, he could be out there scheming or you don't know how much he got. All I know is that I was so grateful that I was not in a position during this pandemic to have to be out there in the heat, in the heat. It was 90 something degrees standing out there hoping that someone would give me money. I was so grateful that I was willing to participate in the process and I gave him a few dollars. Why? Because I was grateful that that wasn't me. Some of you ought to give just because you're in such a good position that, it, that, that, that you don't have to be the person asking for a handout. That God has been so good to you. He has blessed you so gracefully. He has blessed you so abundantly that you are not the person who's having to stand on the corner and ask somebody for help. I don't know about you, but when I think about how it could have been me, I am so excited. I, get, I, I, I just give whatever I can. Why? Because God's been so good to me. Anybody else out there, you know God's been good to you. God's been so good to you that if he asks you to give something today, you ain't going to mind giving it. Because why? Giving produces and reminds you to have an attitude of gratitude. And then number five, giving is contagious. How do I know giving is contagious? We saw this happen on July 1st. On July 1st, we launched our scholarship opportunity. And we told everybody we know, hey, look, on July 1st, if we raise $10,000, we will get another $10,000 because the organization has agreed to match us dollar for dollar. And when I tell you, we told people, people started giving, you ain't telling me nothing. People saw other people giving, they, people were sharing it. They, even people who couldn't give, they shared it for us. And I'm telling you, people started singing it and, and giving becomes contagious. And in 17 hours, Praise the Lord. In 17 hours, we raised $10,000. And the last time I looked yesterday, we were over $16,000. Our goal is $20,000 so that once we get the scholarship in August, uh, the matching grant, we will have for the month of July raised $30,000 for college scholarships. Why? Because giving is contagious. Somebody go ahead and put that in the comment section. Giving is contagious. Praise the Lord. Giving is contagious. I got a few more minutes and then we're going to get out of your way. Giving is contagious. So we said that the additional benefits uh, besides low, lowering our blood pressure, besides building up our self-esteem, besides having less depression, uh, we said lowering our stress levels. We talked about it giving us greater happiness and, and, and attending to longer life. We said that it's also good for our health. It helps with our social connection. It invokes an attitude of gratitude and it is contagious. Amen. Giving does all of that. And for all the angry faces, you ought to try it. Praise God. And for all the hearts, keep doing it. Amen. Because you can't talk us out of what God has already shown us. Amen. Amen. And amen. Now let's look, and look take a look at this just real quick before we go. 
God is our, our example when it comes to giving. God is our example. Amen. God gave us something so precious to him that it literally changed the world. One gift changed the world. Listen, one gift. God can ask you to do one thing for one person, one time, and it may not even seem significant to you, but it can change their life forever. You never know what God is asking you to do. And then when God asks you to do it, it may change that person's life, which in turn change the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Sometimes we have something temporary on our mind when God has generations on his mind. When God is asking you to give, it is not for something short term. God is always having a long term benefit when he asks you to give. So in John chapter three, verse 16, it's one of the most famous Christian scriptures it is. It says, for God so what? Love the world. For God so loved the world. What did he do? He gave. And what did he give? His only begotten son. Why? So that whosoever, say I am a whosoever. You ought to type that in there. I am a whosoever. He says, so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God set up the example of giving. He said, I'm going to give something so precious that when people tap into it, it gives them a life beyond what they ever imagined. You don't have any idea how giving to that scholarship fund can give to an individual young person, help change their life beyond what you ever can imagine. Somebody said, well, Pastor Edwin, what's an example? I'm glad you asked. You think about it like this. You give $20 to the scholarship fund. That $20 gets matched with the other uh, $20,980, right? And now we got $30,000. We give three scholarships to three individuals at $10,000 each. You don't know that that $1,250 they get every semester for eight semesters is not the very thing that keeps them in school. It's the very thing that keeps them from having to get a student loan. They graduate from college, praise God, without student loan debt. And now what they're able to do that they wouldn't have been able to do is to go buy a home. And we know that in America, home ownership is one of the quickest ways, especially for African-Americans, to add to their net worth. And now they're able to not just get a home, but they can get a home at a cheaper interest rate because their income to debt ratio is smaller because they don't have student loans. And now because they don't have student loans, praise God, they can go and they can get a house, they can begin to build equity in their house. They can begin to make the kind of investments that we weren't able to make. And then when their kids get ready to go to school, they don't even depend on a scholarship to go because their parents can now pay for them to go to school and still give money to a scholarship. And now you've changed not just one generation with $20, but you've changed several generations with $20. I done preached myself happy in here this morning. Listen, I'm telling you, giving is one of the instruments in the kingdom of God that has the ability to absolutely change lives. My God, I'm telling you, God has set this system up, not just for you, but he set it up for you so he can do something in you and through you and for somebody else. 
I'm telling you, you got to understand that what you're doing today is not just a one-time thing. The Bible says that when you give, that thing returns to you, but also it produces multiple harvests. And all of those harvests won't just be for you. It'll be harvest even for other people. Amen. And so the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Type in the comment section, God is a giver. God is a giver. And because God is a giver, I too am a giver. Why? Because I'm connected to that vine. So if God's a giver, then I'm a giver. Listen, God gave something very expensive and valuable in his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, it was so valuable that he trusted that he would that what he gave to the world in Jesus Christ would be sufficient enough to be the answer for all mankind. God gave us one gift, and in that one gift, it was sufficient for all mankind. The Bible says all of our actions should be motivated by love. Every time we give, it should be motivated by love. No one should force you to give. You shouldn't give because you're under constraints. You shouldn't give because you're under pressure. It's got to flow out of you. Yeah, the Bible says that where your treasure is, there will your heart be. So, so you gotta be, you gotta become a person who loves to give. And why? Because you understand what giving does. And when you understand what giving does, it's not hard to be a person who loves to give. The Bible says it like this in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, uh, in the third verse. It says, we can give all of our goods to the poor. Now, listen to this. You and I can give everything we got to the poor. It says we can even give our bodies up to be burned if we want to. It says, but if we do any of those things without love, it profits us nothing. It profits us nothing. Do you understand that? We can give all of our goods to the poor. We can go, we can participate in Habitat for Humanity. We can give to the church. We can give to the scholarship fund. We can, we can give to NAACP. We can give to, to Black Lives Matter. We can give to, to any organization we think of that we want to support. But if we do it and it's not motivated from love, it says that it profits us nothing. So if you're a person who's out there this morning and you're saying, well, you know, I give a lot, but I don't ever seem to get anything. Check your love walk. Check your reason for why you're doing it. Are you doing it so people can see you? Remember, one of the things that we said was that when you give, you ought to let your giving be done in secret. You ain't got to broadcast to everybody why you're doing it. You ain't got to broadcast to everybody why you do what you do. But you got to ask yourself, why are you doing it? We should always give and be motivated by love with hearts filled with gratitude and thanksgiving when we do it. It is the reason at our church, when, we, when, when we're all gathered together, we say, hey, it's offering time, and people at our church start clapping. We start cheering. Why? When people visit, I know that they must think sometimes that, we, that something's wrong with us, but listen, when it's time to give, to give, we get excited at Fellowship of Champions. Why? Because we understand the principle that it's more empowering to give than it is to receive. We know that we're only able to give because God has already blessed us. Amen. Your heart has to be in your giving. It must be motivated by love and not because you're trying to play some game to get God to give you something. Amen. When we do, and we have to understand that there will be times that God will ask us to give something and we may think we don't have enough to give, but understand God never asks us for what we don't have. He, he never does. I have to say this to people all the time. They say, what am I going to do if God asks me for something I don't have? It's not that God asks you for what you don't have. 
He does ask you for that which you may not be willing to part with. Pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> it's not that he doesn't. He, he, God doesn't ask you for what you don't have, but he may ask you for what you are not willing to part with. What's an example? The widow woman. The Bible says that the men of God came to the widow woman and the widow woman had was in a drought and, and she was at the place. She said, you know what? I'm about to I'm about to go. I'm about to gather these sticks and make me a fire. I am about to to, to go in this house. I'm about to cook me a little cake for me and my son. We're going to eat it and then we're going to starve to death because we ain't got nothing else left. And the Bible says that a man of God shows up. And I know that. And I love this story because it's so typical that a man of God will show up and ask you for something, uh, especially when you you don't seem to have, but that is how God's system works. The Bible says that the man of God showed up and he asked the lady, he says, Hey, uh, uh fetch me uh, a little water. And, and, and the woman was like, you know, man, listen, I, I'm about to fix me something to eat and die, but I'm going to go and, and get you this little water you want so you can go on. And the Bible says that she was going to get the water. He says, Hey, and fetch me a little cake first. Now, now wait a minute, man of God. I just told you I was gathering these sticks for me and this little boy to eat this last meal before we start to death. And you asked me to come and to give you a little cake first. Not a little cake with us. You want a little cake first. You want me to go in and make you a cake out of the little bit we have and give it to you first. Now watch this. The Bible tells us, though, that she had already been warned that a man of God was going to come by. See, I'm warning you right now that it may come a time that God may ask you for something. So don't be surprised when he asks you for something that's bigger than what you are willing to, do, to give away or you are willing to, to, to depart with. But the Bible says that that woman perceived him to be a man of God. And recalling what she had, what she remembered was going to happen, the Bible, you know the story, it says she went in and she made him a little cake first. A little cake first. And as she made him the cake, the Bible says that he promised her that the meal would not wax, the oil would not run low. And the Bible tells us that for the span of two and a half to three and a half years, every time she went in there to make that cake, she was able to have enough to, to feed her and her son, the man of God, and anybody else who needed it. Why? Because she took what she had and she sold it. And that is the reason I tell every single person, do not minimize your seed. Do not minimize your seed. Yes, that's just like in the scholarship thing. Somebody was able to give $5,000. It was a $5,000 gift given. And whoever gave it, whether you're on here or you're not on here, you see this or you don't see it, I praise God for you. But there was also a $5 gift that somebody gave anonymously. Watch this. I don't know if you're watching this, not watching this. You will see this or you won't see this. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for that $5 gift. Your $5 gift and your $5,000 gift and every gift in between carry the exact same weight if you obey God. Do not minimize your seed. Why? Because your seed is the thing that will produce longevity for you. Ooh, go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, my seed produces longevity. My seed produces longevity. My seed 
what I give to God, when I obey, when I do it cheerfully, when I do it promptly, my seed produces longevity in my life. Amen, amen, amen. How do I know that a little can produce a lot? Well, all we got to do is look at Mark chapter 6, verse 36 through 44, or look at Luke chapter 9, verse 13 through 17. Y'all know the story. The Bible says that Jesus told 5,000 people to take a seat. He told his disciples, he says, hey, we got to feed these people. They said, Jesus, look around. We're in the middle of a field. What are we supposed to do? He says, well, some Somebody got to have something. And a little boy came up and he says, I got some, I got a snack pack. I got a two piece. If you want it, I don't know what you can do with it, uh, but I got a two piece and I'm willing to give it. Jesus only needs a snack pack to produce a whole buffet in your life. Oh, glory to God. All he needs is a snack pack to produce an entire buffet in your life. The Bible says, that the little boy came and he gave Jesus the fish and the bread. And I like what Jesus did. Jesus took the fish and he took the bread. The Bible says sitting amongst 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, he took that fish, he took that bread. The Bible says, and he looked toward heaven and he blessed it. In other words, he empowered it. He said, Father, this right here is all we have. But we put what we have in your hand. And by putting what we have in your hand, we know that it becomes more than enough. What's the word? Self-sufficient. We became self-sufficient by taking not enough and putting it in the hands of God. The Bible says he looked toward heaven. And as long as he was looking toward heaven, he kept breaking off a two-piece fish dinner for every man and every woman and every child. And after everybody had ate, everybody was Full. Everybody was done going through the line a second time. The Bible says that he told his disciples, now gather up the fragments. And the Bible says that when they got done, they had 12 baskets left. I went and researched what kind of baskets they had. And research tells us that the baskets was large enough to hold a grown man. So this little boy who showed up with a two-piece fish dinner had to have folks help him to carry home 12 baskets it was big enough for grown men with fish and bread. I'm telling you, when you don't have enough, it's your seed. When you don't have enough, it's your opportunity to put it in somebody's hands who can make your not enough more than enough. Listen, I'm done for the day. I done preached myself happy. It's your opportunity to give. It's your opportunity for prosperity. It's your opportunity to take what you've heard today and to put it to practice in your life. I'm telling you right now, they'll put it on the screen for you. You can give. There's a multitude of ways. Pastor Sean's going to come, but you can give on tidily. You can give on text to give. You can give on give you can give on push pay. You can go to the website. Listen, I don't know about you. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't let, I wouldn't go any further from today's broadcast without doing two things. I would find a way to sow into this word this morning, and I would find a way to be a blessing to somebody before today's over. And I ain't talking about me or Pastor Sean. I'm talking about you go find somebody. You look on your, ask the Lord to give you somebody. It may be somebody you connected with on social media. It may be a family member. The, it, it may, the Lord may say to you, send your mama $20. Just tell her, send her $20, tell her you love her. 
Be a blessing to somebody today and watch that helper's high kick in. Watch them endorphins get released. Watch how you feel about yourself. Look at the stress leave. Watch all the anxiety go and watch how God perpetuates this harvest back into your life. I am telling you what I know, not what I have heard. When you become a giver, God will bless you and cause you to live at a higher level than you ever thought was possible. I look at my life year after year after year and I wonder, God, how did we do what we did? And then I look at my giving statement. I said, oh my goodness, I didn't even know we had done all that. Why? Because God doesn't need you to give something big every time. He just, he just needs you to be obedient every time. And so if you want to be obedient to God, and if the Lord has told you to sow into this ministry, you ought to do it today. If you're a partner, I'm telling you, God's told you to sow, not, not just to sow, but God told you to be a tither. God told you that, 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 that there are things on your life that hasn't happened because you won't commit to the tithe. I know you say, well, pastor, we don't have to do the tithe. Great. Be a grace giver. Go beyond the 10%. Go beyond. Do more than that. Praise God. You know, you do your alms, do your offering, do your tithe, but more, be a grace giver. Tap into that grace that the Apostle Paul talked about when he talked to the church at Macedonia. And he said they gave of themselves first. And then after they did that, then they gave not once, but again and again. Be an again giver. Go ahead and type that in the comment section as Pastor Sean comes. Say, I am an again giver. I am an again giver giver. Listen, this is week 17 of, of E-Church and I've ex I'm, I'm excited to get to preach the gospel to you. Uh, I, 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 I can feel your energy. Uh, Chris says it all the time and I, I didn't always understand it, but I can feel your energy uh, this morning through through this through this uh, interwell broadcast. Amen? So praise God for you. We love you. Here's Pastor Sean. She's going to come give you some announcements. Probably going to pray for you. So don't jump off the broadcast. You know, Pastor, when she comes, she, the, the, the Lord will drop something in there and it'll be just what you need. Hang in there. Don't leave yet. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Were you guys blessed by that word? Glory. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm just going to tell you this. You ought to sow a seed in your man of God today. Cash app money strict. I'm telling you, somebody drop that. Listen, when somebody so teaches a word like that, listen, you say, well, I'm going to give to the church. I appreciate that, but you ought to sow a seed into the man of God today. Listen, he came and told us that God literally will take your seed that is not enough and cause you to go home with baskets of overflow because he is such a good God. He told us that God doesn't need a partner, but we need partners. So you ought to bless your man of God this morning, man. Listen, that's money strict, um, a money symbol, cat money sign, money strict at Cash App. Listen, you ought to be happy to sow into that word. It's time for our announcements. It's time for us to give. We believe something supernatural happens and when we give, we thank God for everybody who gave in the scholarship fund. We're so excited about that scholarship. We're going to make that $20,000. Yes. I have yes. no doubt about it. We are going to make that $20,000. I just want to give you a couple of announcements on Mondays at 
um, noon central. I do something called Mindset Monday on my page. Kristen Valley has been joining me. She'll be joining me again tomorrow. We are discussing the issue of covenant relationships. And let me tell you something. What you do with a covenant relationship is also a seed that determines what kind of harvest you're going to get. On Tuesday night at 7 p.m., we have prayer. Eight, I'm sorry, 8 p.m. Central. We have prayer right here. We also believe something supernatural happens when we pray. Listen, he got me hyped listening to him. I just came in ready to go. Then on Wednesday, we have refreshed Bible study led by Pastor Ralph Marlowe. Man, he has been teaching. I'm going to say the same thing I've been saying for, a lot, for a, the last several weeks. Do not disconnect. This is not the time to back up off of the word. This is not the time to back up off of obedience. This is not the time to back up off of your giving. This is not the time to back up. This is the time to press in because we are champions, baby. We don't cave in. We don't quit. And we're not faith punks. We will see what God said. Do I have any people who like, I'm going to see what God said because I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to disconnect. I'm not going to come out of the word. I'm not going to stop giving. I'm not going to stop confessing. I'm not going to stop obeying God. I will see what God said. Even in a pandemic, I will see what God said. Amen. Listen, so we got Mindset Monday. We have Tuesday night prayer. We have Wednesday Bible study. And then at 930 on Sunday mornings, Kristen comes. Pastor Kristen comes and she leads us into worship. Listen, we're going to end with that right there today. I just need you to begin to prophesy to yourself and prophesy to the people on this broadcast. Say, I will see what God said. This is the year of great harvest. I will not back up off of what God said. I will not cave in. I will not quit. I will not let you talk me out of my faith. I will not let you mock me out of my faith. I will see what God said. I am declaring over you that every harvest that is owed to you at this season will be released unto you. Whether you need favor, protection, wisdom, financial provision, love, whatever you need, I declare it is released to you because God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. So when you sow a seed in love, there is a harvest, a perpetual harvest. I want y'all to come. We're going to lift some praise up over that. We're declaring right now, we will see what God said. We will not be moved. I want you to pick one person on the broadcast, one person name that comes up. I want you to lift their name up, bless their family. We call all our partners blessed. We call all our covenant people who watch with us, our virtual partners, all of the friends of the ministry blessed. We say your family is blessed. We say your health is blessed. We don't care. And in fact, here's what I want to declare over you. I want to declare that the goodness of God will operate in your life to such a degree that somebody who thought 2020 was a year of failure, they're going to turn around because of what they see God doing in your life. Did you hear what I said? So you got to testify about what God is doing in your life because your testimony and the blessing on your life is going to cause somebody else to say, wait a minute, you mean I don't have to be bound by a pandemic? You mean I don't have to be limited? You mean I don't have to decrease what God, God wants to do something in your life that makes somebody else say, wait a minute, who is this God that you serve? Now, listen, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal savior, you ought to do that because none of this matters if you don't know Jesus.
And so if you want to accept Jesus as your personal savior, you can just pray right now. You can invite him into your heart. What does that mean? It means that you are saying, I recognize that I was born into sin and I recognize that I need a savior and I need to come back to the family of God, that that is God's desire for me. So God, I am asking you to allow me to come into the family through the Lord Jesus Christ. I accept you as my savior. I believe that you have snatched me out of the pit of hell. I also want to tell you this. Listen, for those of you who are saved, you need to know that not only can God deliver you out of hell in eternity, but he can deliver you out of hell right now in life. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to be broke. You don't have to be sick and you don't have to be bound. Jesus paid the price. Come on and give the Lord some praise. Come on and give the Lord some praise. I love that Kenosha said, I'm going to work on sharing more because God is and has been real good to me. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And many of you are sitting here and the Lord has overflowed you in the middle of a pandemic and you got your mouth closed. You need to open up your mouth and testify of the goodness of God because whatever God, see, you need to understand this. A testimony is a prophetic word. What do you mean, Pastor Sean? When God healed Jordan, it became a testimony in the earth of what he would do for somebody else who was willing to believe. And so it's important. So we tell the testimony about Jordan because it releases other people. It activates their faith who have kids who are on the spectrum to be able to see what God can do. So when you testify about the house, the restoration of the marriage, the, um, the new job, the healing of your body, when you testify about that, it becomes a prophetic word. The testimony in your life is proof to somebody else about what God will do. Amen. We're going to pray and we're going to get out of here. Father, I thank you that this will be a week of testimonies and new and signs, wonders, and miracles. I declare that as we testify of your goodness this week, that there will be other people who will get breakthrough, even as they read our, our Facebook posts, even as they read our Instagrams, even as they look at our snaps, even as they look at our Twitters, even as they look at our TikToks, wherever we give the testimony, that that testimony will capture somebody who is in need of that same thing so they can come in tune with your power. Power in the name of Jesus. We thank you that your arm is not too short that you cannot save. You are not moved by a pandemic. You are not limited. Your power is not cut off. And as your people, we proclaim your goodness. We proclaim that you are good, that you are still providing, that you are still healing, that you are still saving, that you are still delivering. And we give you the glory for it this week. So Pastor Edwin challenged you guys. Pastor Elwin challenged you guys to bless somebody this week. Now I'm coming with him and saying, now I'm challenging you to testify to somebody this week. Amen. You posted on your she Facebook. Thinks. Don't you be ashamed of what God is That's doing right. in your life. This is not the time to back off and let somebody punk you and I can't tell it right now. No, I'm going to tell what God has done. Now we pray all of that in Jesus name. Amen. Y'all have an amazing day. So into the man of God. Give, give today. Give to the scholarship fund. Be a blessing and share your testimony. And if you want me to see your testimony, tag me in it. Amen. All right. And also share the scholarship. Don't forget that. All right. We love you guys so much. Have an amazing, amazing week. We'll see you Monday. We'll see you Tuesday. We'll see you Wednesday. And then we'll see you Sunday. All right. Be blessed.